0: Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW approved. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Sportsbook. I'm, of course, your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for another edition, a second installment of our 2023 season preview series. Last week, we hit on all of the over under win totals in the SEC East. We talked Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida, all seven teams in that SEC East. Today, the focus is the SEC West, where there are some fascinating over under win totals. Is Alabama taking a step back? Has LSU taken a step forward? What about Hugh Freeze? What about Texas A&M? Fascinating division. We are going to get into all of the over-under win totals in this division momentarily. Of course, the over-under win totals are courtesy of our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook Gap. Very quickly, you can bet on all seven of these teams in the Betfred Sportsbook. And I should mention before we get started, if you want to bet on any game right now, Going on in sports, Betfred has an incredible sign-up offer. Bet $50 on anything, Major League Baseball. I think Summer League NBA is still going on for a few more days. Bet 50, you can get up to $1,111 in free bets, courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. So so thank you to Betfred, our presenting sponsor, and thank you to Betfred for, for providing these over-under win totals in the SEC West. Let's not waste any more time, and let's get right into it with my official favorite over-under win total bet in the SEC West, you're going to laugh. You're not going to believe me. You're going to think I'm crazy. But remember, I'm not talking national championship odds. I'm not even talking SEC West odds. This is an over-under win total show and over-under win total bets for all seven teams in the SEC West. And my best bet in the SEC West is this. Texas A&M. No, you don't have to adjust your speakers. Texas A&M, I am taking them over seven and a half wins as my best bet in the Betfred Sportsbook this coming fall. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. I know what a lot of you are going to say. You're going to say, Torres, you're crazy. Texas A&M is always overrated. Many of you are going to point to Jimbo Fisher at SEC Media Days where he was asked about his new offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. Wouldn't really answer what role Bobby Petrino has. Will Bobby Petrino be calling plays? How much say does he have in that offense? So those are the two knocks on A&M coming in. And I think they're perfectly fair. But let me start by saying this. First of all, the, to, to the comment that they're always overrated, okay? I get that when you're paid $9 million a year, as Jimbo Fisher is, the expectation is not 8, 9, or even 10 wins. It is to compete for division championships, SEC championships, and play in the playoff competing for national championships. But the over-under win total here is seven and a half. And if you take out last season, this is year six for Jimbo Fisher. He's got at least eight wins in his first four years at Texas A&M. So just a statistical, simple math equation tells you that historically Jimbo Fisher will go over this win total. As far as the Bobby Petrino stuff, I should mention this. I know everybody's freaking out. I know it makes for great copy here in July, but the bottom line is this. Bobby Petrino is an established veteran. He's what, 60 years old, probably. He could retire if he wants to. He would not be at Texas A&M if he did not have confidence in the role that he was going to have with this team and with this program. So the two big things right off the bat, I'm just going to knock him down. I'm not as worried as you are. Now let's get to A&M last year, because let's be honest. While I don't think that they necessarily always disappoint, I do think last year was frustrating and disappointing. I'm not going to lie came into the season as a preseason top 10 team, finished the season, not only outside the top 25, but at five and seven overall did not make a bowl game. And they were the most disappointing team in college football last year. But at the same time, even as we all can sit here and agree that they were the most disappointing team in college football last year. Here's the crazy part. You know, that of those seven losses for Texas A&M, five of those seven losses came by a touchdown or less. In other words, they're a touchdown better. If Bobby Petrino just does what he's supposed to do and they're a touchdown better, that is a team that has significantly improved from last year. Included in those losses, by the way. Five touchdown, five five games by seven points or less, they lost, okay? Keep in mind this. Alabama came down to the final play. South Carolina, this is maybe my favorite quirky stat of the 2022 season. Texas A&M literally scored, outscored South Carolina after the opening play of the game. South Carolina returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Texas A&M outscores them from there. It was that kind of season. But also remember, as disappointing as that five and seven was, on top of the fact that they they lost five, five games by seven points or less, they also beat LSU, that team that everybody loves coming into this year, LSU. Texas A&M smoked them late in the season going into the offseason. And so I look at that Texas A&M team, and I'm not saying that they're going to be 12-0, and 13-0, and whatever. 11 and one, but finish strong. Remember last year, they dealt with a ton of injuries. And I know that injuries are part of college football. I get that. But remember, by the end of the year, they were down to their third string quarterback, a true freshman, Connor Wade. Down to Nia Smith, a dynamic all SEC caliber receiver. The offensive line was beat up all year. They're shuffling bodies, different injuries at different spots. And so you look at that team and you look at what they're returning now. I actually think they probably got a little bit more depth because of those injuries. A lot of those star freshmen from that 2022 class were thrown into the fire. Now they got reps. Now they're ready to go. Looking at this offense, it should be better. Part of it is Petrino. Part of it is just simple maturation and hopefully people staying healthy. I do expect Connor Wegman to be better in year two in that offense. He has maybe the best returning receiving core in the SEC. LSU may have something to say about that. Tennessee may have something to say about that, whatever. But you look at that returning receiving core. Evan Stewart's the first round. Anaya Smith, as I said, all SEC caliber dude. Moose Muhammad, awesome. The tight ends are always good. The running backs can always catch out of the backfield. The O-line has to improve, but should improve. They got like 75 starts between them. And again, it's about continuity and health up front. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it should happen with an offseason of, of, you know, what happens in the offseason. Defensively, I'll say this too for A M considering that the offense did not help them at all. Defensively, they were probably better than you remember a season ago. They actually finished in the top 25 nationally in points per game allowed. I think they gave about 21 points per game. So we're talking scoring defense, a top 25 scoring defense, despite the fact that that defense was on the field pretty much nonstop. And again, what it goes back to with this defense is what I told you. Young guys got reps because of all the injuries last year. Up front, you got McKinley Johnson, seven and a half TFLs back this season. Fadil Diggs set five and a half tackles for loss back this season. But remember all those young guys from that 2022 class that got reps because they had to last year. Walter Nolan's back. Shamar Shamar Turner was from a different class. Shamar Stewart was from 2022. Uh, All these guys, Gabriel Brownlow Dinley was a five star. I think I said Dinley, Dindy. Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, was a five star who didn't even play last year because of injury, LT Overton. So you go on and on down the list. They have depth and skill up front, and it's depth now with some experience after last year. Linebackers should be good, and the secondary should be improved. They lost some guys. They added a couple guys from the portal Tony Grimes from UNC, Sam McCall from Florida State. I think they'll be better. Finally, when it comes to AM, I'll just say it the schedule. In the final year of the SEC West, all things considered, is not brutal, okay? Five of their first six games are in the state of Texas. That's a great way to start the season. One of them, granted, is on a neutral field against Arkansas. Also, one of them is against Alabama at home. But remember what happened last time that Texas A&M played Alabama in College Station. So I just bring it all up to say, young team that got better, improved by the end of the year, and a ton of young guys that got reps now with returnees, I do like Texas A&M to hit this over. Now again, nobody's asking them to go 11 and 1. Nobody's asking them to even go 10 and 2. But do I think this is an 8 and 4, maybe 9 and 3 ball club? I do. Texas A&M is my best over under win total bet in the Betfred Sportsbook and in the SEC West. All right, let's keep it going. Texas A&M is fascinating. You know who else is fascinating going into this season? How about the Alabama Crimson Tide? Their over-under is 10.5 in the Betfred Sportsbook. Uh, and it's interesting, right? Because a couple things. One, uh, the, the money is actually coming in on the under at minus 175. It's plus 150 to bet the over. But why it's so interesting is this really does feel like the first year, maybe in forever, that people are really doubting Nick Saban. And I know we've had those moments in time, the dynasty's dead, the this, the that. The dynasty's dead stuff usually happens early in the season. Take a weird loss. Oh, they'll never recover. And then they always do. This year is different though. Remember, last year, they had the number one pick in the draft, Bryce Young. The number three pick in the draft, Will Anderson. Maybe the most talented roster Nick Saban's ever had. And they did go 11-2. and But you can also argue that they were a little bit disappointing, all things considered. Lose to Tennessee. Lose to LSU. And even though Nick Saban wants to tell you, we lost our only two games by on the final play of the game. They also won on the final play of the game against Texas A&M, uh, needed a goal line stand against Ole Miss, struggled against Texas, and who knows what happens if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt in that game. And so I bring it up because I do think it was a disappointing season for Alabama, not just because they were 11-2, and two, not just because they didn't win the SEC West, didn't play for a playoff berth, and SEC title, nothing but also just because the product wasn't what we expected. And so they go into the off season, hire two new coordinators. Tommy Reese is there to bring in the physical run game. Um, and also on top of that, of course, Kevin Steele is back to bring some physicality back to the defense. Now, in terms of questions coming into the year, we all know what the biggest one is. It's a quarterback. And again, I get it. One thing on this show, I try to be real with you guys and girls. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it and say everything's perfect in Tuscaloosa. And I get the concern because, really, for the first time since the pre Jalen Hurts era, we're talking about uncertainty at the quarterback position at Alabama. We're talking about a program. We saw Jalen Milro last year, it wasn't always pretty. Ty Simpson, apparently, he struggled at various points throughout spring ball. Obviously, those two guys struggle to a degree. Otherwise, Tyler Buckner doesn't transfer in. And so that's where the concern comes in with Alabama. Tyler Buckner wasn't going to win the starting job at Notre Dame. And if Tyler Buckner wasn't going to win the starting job at Notre Dame, what does it say about the fact that he could win it at Alabama? So I get the concern. But let me play devil's advocate and talk about the other side with Alabama. One, whoever wins the starting job at quarterback, I do think will have plenty of talent around them. And I know the O-line's been disappointing the last couple of years. The wide receiver room outside of Jamison Williams has been disappointing two seasons ago. But I, I, I think we'll see some improvement. Again, a re-emphasis on physicality, on the run game, on the O-line. Go back to the Bill O'Brien era. We talked about it on this show. We talked about it on the Air Torres pod. It just felt like um, there was no kind of rhyme or reason to what the offense was or what it was about or what it was supposed to be. That ain't going to be the case with Tommy Reese. They're going to run the ball right at you, and they're going to reestablish that line of scrimmage and physicality up front. Plenty of running back depth. Jace Jace McClellan is back. He was phenomenal last year as Jameer Gibbs backup. Roy Dell Williams I'm excited about. Also, Justice Haynes, remember, a star in the spring, true freshman. And I do think that wide receiver room, I think somebody steps up. Listen, my stance on the wide receiver room, people say, oh, Alabama, their wide receivers stink. And what I say to that is like, are we really supposed to believe? Are we really supposed to believe that over the course of what the last three recruiting cycles that Alabama has missed on every single wide receiver recruit that they've that they've signed? I don't believe it. I think part of it was the offense. And I think when you look at Ja'Cory Brooks, 39 catches last year, Kobe Prentice is back. Uh, A couple other guys are back as well. Jermaine Burton, obviously. I think somebody establishes themselves as the alpha. I think they'll be okay. Defensively, here's the other thing defensively. We focus so much on the quarterback position. We focus everything that went wrong. And what's crazy is, when you think about that defense last year, what do you think about? Disappointing, didn't live up to expectations. You probably think about Tennessee, Henning hooker, throwing the ball all over the field. Probably think about Quinn Ewers in that first half. And you think of chaos for that Alabama defense. You know what's crazy about Alabama's defense? finished 13th nationally in total defense, ninth nationally in scoring defense. So they had a top 10 scoring defense against the likes of Texas, Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, Kansas State in the bowl game. Reinforcements came in via the the, the recruiting class as well. That's probably worth mentioning. Looked it up, had kind of forgotten this. How about this? Not only maybe the best class in the history of college football, four separate five-star defensive linemen are coming in. Those guys will shore up that defensive front. Dallas Turner is obviously back after a phenomenal sophomore season a year ago. Eight tackles for loss, four sacks. Jaheim Oates up front is a monster. Again, depth via that freshman class. Do like the linebacker group. And then on top of that, I think the defensive back group um, was really fortified in the transfer portal this offseason. Trey Amos comes in from Louisiana Lafayette. Jaden Key, an all-conference guy from Conference USA and UAB. I really like this group. Final couple thoughts on Alabama. One, something to consider. That schedule that was brutal last year. Well, guess what? All those really tough games from a year ago, Texas, Tennessee, LSU, they were all on the road. They're at home this year. You You know what Alabama's road schedule is in the SEC this season? at Kentucky, at Mississippi State, at, uh, let's see, at Kentucky, at Mississippi State, at Auburn, at Texas A&M. Kentucky's good. Auburn's good. A&M's good. Even Mississippi State's good. But that's about as favorable as an SEC road schedule as you can ask for. And so I look at this Alabama team. I am not going to officially bet the over of 10 and a half I think the overhits, I think they figure out the quarterback position. I think it's less on the quarterback in general, and he's got so much talent around him. And I also just think Nick Saban, he's not having it. He revamped everything this off season, two new coordinators. He ain't putting up with the nonsense he did a year ago. I'm excited about this team. And I think between the schedule and kind of the mindset, I expect this team to be much improved.
0: It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: Finally, first half of the show, let's wrap uh, with a little conversation on the LSU Tigers, okay? So LSU, I think anybody who's listening to this show or the Aaron Torres pod knows I'm a huge Brian Kelly guy, okay? I was actually at UConn when Brian Kelly was at Cincinnati, so I saw him kind of climb up the ladder. I always thought that he had, um, you know, he got a raw deal at Notre Dame, just felt, oh, God, Notre Dame's always overrated. It's like, no, 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 no. Notre Dame's not overrated like in 2023 or 2022 or 2021 or whenever Brian Kelly was there. Like, just think about it. A small Catholic school in Indiana with no natural recruiting base. They shouldn't be competing with Alabama and Ohio state and Clemson and playing in the playoff with them. So I always thought Brian Kelly was overrated. He go or underrated. Excuse me. He goes to LSU year one wins 10 games. Now this year, a lot of hype about him. The sec media poll has not come out yet. Although I think he will be favored. And the over-under win total in the Betfred Sportsbook for the LSU Tigers is 9.5. Now, I will say I find that number a little bit interesting because of the fact that, again, Alabama is at 10 and a half. Most people think LSU is better. LSU is only at 9.5. Does the Betfred Sportsbook know something that we don't? I don't know, but let's talk a little bit about LSU. In terms of this team, I get why people like them. If you think LSU is the best team in the SEC West, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong. Jaden Daniels is the most established returning quarterback in the SEC. So in a year where Georgia is breaking in a new quarterback, Alabama, it's July and no one outside of that building knows who Alabama's starting quarterback is. LSU has a guy that is established through for 3000 yards last year, 17 touchdowns rush for another 800. He was awesome. The skill position talent around him. We're not projecting like I sort of did at Alabama there a minute ago, um, Josh Williams is back, second leading rusher last year behind Jaden Daniels. They added a couple guys in the portal, including Logan Diggs. Ironically, or maybe not ironically, played for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame for a year. Or excuse me, he played at Notre Dame. Transfers to play for the former Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. And then the wide receiver room. I, I mentioned it with Texas A&M earlier. Texas A&M may have the best wide receiver room, but if they don't, it is because LSU's is so freaking deep. You go back to last year, Malik Neighbor, 72 catches, 1,000 yards, three TDs. Brian Thomas, 31 catches, five TDs. Kyron Lacy, 24 catches. Had a great spring game. They added Aaron Anderson, a former former high four-star at Alabama, transferred to LSU. Mason Taylor, he was the guy that made that game-winning play for LSU against Alabama as a true freshman tight end. He is back 46 catches a year ago, three touchdowns. Great receiving core great running back room. O-line was young last year. I think that was the most impressive thing about Brian Kelly's success in year one. I don't think people realized that offensive line was starting two true freshmen at offensive tackle, yet they still managed to win 10 games. And then defensively, look, the defense is elite, right? The defense has playmakers all over the field. Harold Perkins was the breakout star of college football last year. 13 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. Uh, You go on down the list. Mason Smith obviously got injured uh, uh, last season, unfortunately. But a year ago... A year before was phenomenal as a true freshman, a guy who had five tackles for loss, four sacks in 2021. Again, unfortunately got hurt. I mentioned Harold Perkins. Makai Wingo is back along that defensive front. At linebacker, plenty of depth, plenty of experience. Omar Spates transfers in from Oregon State where he was an all-pack 12 guy. And then the portal does a very good job of filling gaps as well. I mentioned Omar Spates, but also it's worth noting Uh, Denver Harris transfers in from Texas A and M. Now he was a little bit of a problem at A and M, but Brian Kelly is a guy that I think can keep him in line. Deuce Chestnut, another defensive back, uh, transferred in. He's in from Syracuse, and so you look at this group; it is really talented. As a matter of fact, I thought I, I, you know, I heard something pretty interesting. Aaron Murray, uh, obviously former Georgia Bulldog, he said this on his podcast. I thought it was a great way to put it. He said LSU's starting twenty-two is the best in the sec and i don't think i can disagree with it experience a quarterback experience at wide receiver experience on the offensive line experience on the defensive front experience all over the defense as a matter of fact i guess my concerns with lsu going forward would be twofold one i do worry about the depth and i know lsu fans are going to say bk's crushed it brian kelly has crushed it and he's crushed it in the portal as well and i think you could argue In the portal. We spent so much time talking Deion Sanders and Lincoln Riley. Hugh Freeze this offseason. I think you'd argue that nobody was better in the portal than Brian Kelly and LSU at plugging holes each of the last two years. But they're plugging holes because there were a lot of misses late in the Ed Orgeron era in recruiting. Now part of that is you're recruiting in a season during COVID. You can't get your eyes on people. You don't have kids on campus. I get it. That's part of the deal. But You did miss on a lot of kids. You've lost a lot of kids through the years. And you have to go to the portal because there are holes on your roster. So that's the concern to me. And then the other concern is the schedule. I think Alabama's breaks very nicely. As I said, Alabama has a very manageable schedule. LSU is actually the exact opposite. You look at LSU. How about this? Four of their first six games are away from Baton Rouge. I mean, come on, this is the SEC. Everyone tells me how easy SEC schedules are. Four of the first six are away from Baton Rouge. Most importantly, they play Florida State in week one in Orlando. That's not only the game of week one, that might be the game of the year. That concerns me because that's a brutal opener. Then at Mississippi State, Arkansas, at Ole Miss, at Missouri to open SEC play. And again, I get it. Those are games you're supposed to win if you're LSU. But three out of your first four on the road is not easy. I never forget they end the year with Alabama on the road. And that's in addition to Florida and A&M at home, which are games. I think they should take care of ultimately when it comes to LSU, listen, I'll be blunt. Um, I like this team. I have enough concerns where I just won't be betting. The over under again is nine and a half in the bet for sports book. I'd probably lean over at 10 and two, but I don't, I don't think they're going 11 and one. I don't think they're going 12 and zero, and that number nine and a half is very interesting to me. It just feels like it's purposefully low. Do the betters know something that we don't do the Do the sports books know something that we don't. Um, and is it possible? We're just overrating LSU a little bit. I've talked about it on the Aaron Torres pot. Everybody that wants to tear down Alabama and and elevate LSU. Listen, LSU was unbelievable last year. I love Brian Kelly. But is this a different team and a different conversation? If that Jaden Daniels pass to Mason Taylor goes incomplete. Like, in other words, does that one play change everything at how we look at these two teams going into the season? I think LSU goes 10 and two, but this is a stay away for me. All right. So what I do take a quick break, come back. And when I come back, we got a lot to still hit on four more teams in the sec West, Auburn, Mississippi state, Ole Miss and Arkansas. Fascinating individual groups. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, You know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the U.K., over a 1,000 shops in the U.K., and they have now come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of not only all things Aaron Torres Media, but the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos, the Cincinnati Bengals. And what I love about Betfred, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred does. I've been telling you that for a year. We have sent listeners of the Aaron Torres Pod to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Betfred suite at Cincinnati Bengals games is rocking. Betfred bettors have thrown out first pitch at the Colorado Rockies games. Nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred, and here is what they are doing for you right now. How about this? Bet $50 on any game. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Bet $50 on anything you want to bet on. You automatically get $111 in free bets, but beyond that, you get up to $200 in insurance for your first five weeks as a Betfred customer, totaling $1,111 in free bets. I've told you for a year, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. They're the only book that I bet with, and I want to thank Betfred for being our presenting sponsor.
0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All
2: right, everybody. Hi, Mac. back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's get to the rest of the SEC West over-under win totals presented by our partners, Betfred Sportsbook. Always appreciate Fred's support. And I do want to start with a team that I am absolutely fascinated by. That is the Auburn Tigers. Their over-under win total is six and a half wins. A lot of money coming in on the over. You got to bet it at minus 135 on the over, plus 115 on the under of six and a half. And let me say this for all I don't think there is a single program in college football that had a more significant coaching upgrade this offseason than the Auburn Tigers. Because here's the bottom line listen, I, I know that I've had Hugh freeze on the Aaron Torres pod a few times. Um, but at the same time, like, the resume kind of speaks for itself. Every single place he has gone, he has won, won at Ole Miss, and I know it didn't end well there, but one at Arkansas State, won at Liberty, and I think he's going to have success at Auburn. At the very least, the one thing you can't deny, in one offseason, he has upgraded the talent significantly, and I think because it's the SEC West, because we're so busy talking LSU, A&M, Alabama, I don't think Hugh Freeze has gotten a full credit and full appreciation for what he has done this offseason to rebuild this roster. Keep in mind, when he took over, how about this for a stat? The recruiting class, and this should never happen at Auburn, it was ranked in the 60s when he took over. The 60s. Guess what? It finished at number 18 overall. They flipped several four-stars, high four-stars, low four-stars, whatever. Uh, Kedrick Falk, a four-star top 100 player from Florida State, flips to Auburn. Kyan Lee, defensive back, flips from Ohio State to Auburn. Uh, Sylvester Smith flips from Tennessee to Auburn. Offensive lineman Cameron, Two flips from Miami to Auburn. So first of all, just from the high school recruiting class, when you can flip guys from Florida State, Miami, Tennessee, and Ohio State, you're doing something right. Beyond that, it's obviously the portal success that has me intrigued by this team. And frankly, that's where you're going to see the biggest impact this season. Biggest name out of the portal, I think it goes without saying, it is Peyton Thorne, the former Michigan State quarterback. He did not have a great 2022 Peyton Thorne, didn't 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But remember, it was just a year ago that he was coming off a 2021 season in which he threw for 27 touchdowns that led Michigan State to an 11-win season, Fiesta Bowl win. Um, and so, obviously, he, he's probably going to be a significant upgrade from whatever they got at the quarterback position last year. That is, of course, unless Robbie Ashford – wins the job, in which case Robbie Ashford is probably going to be much improved. And that is the one thing about Hugh Freeze. He is great with quarterbacks. And I think both these guys are going to be improved. Beyond that, some real weapons for for the for the for the excuse me, I'm tripping over my words here for the quarterback to work with. Jarquez Hunter is back at running back. Then in the portal, they crushed at the wide receiver position. Okay. Jair shorter, 10 touchdown catches last year at North Texas. On top of that, Caleb Burton, a former four-star top 100 prospect that played at Ohio State last year. They got a tight end named Rivaldo Fairweather. I'm far from an NFL draft expert, but people believe he has NFL potential. And I think most importantly, and this isn't even all Brian Harson, because Auburn fans have been saying since the Gus Malzahn era that the offensive line recruiting was lacking. Hugh Freeze did as good a job as anybody on the offensive line, added Dylan Wade, Offensive tackle from Tulsa, Jaden Muskrat, great name, by the way, offensive lineman from Tulsa, Avery Jones, a center from East Carolina, Gunner Britton, an offensive tackle, all-conference USA from Western Kentucky. So you go through the best offensive lineman in the portal, Auburn got its fair share of them. So this offense should be much improved from a year ago where they were, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade, they were not very good last year averaged 24 points per game, uh, 378 yards per game. That was the bottom half of college football. And I think defensively, they should take a step up as well. And uh, they're going to need to, because again, they were not very good last year, 29 points per game allowed. And I just look at this team. Listen, I don't think they're perfect, but they are going to be improved. And they're certainly going to be more well-coached. The other thing working for Auburn, for Auburn standards, and you got to understand, The schedule at Auburn is always tough. I know next year we go away from the division model, but this year we still got it. They obviously have Georgia, and of course they have Alabama. But otherwise, it is a somewhat manageable schedule for Auburn. They should go 4-0 in the out-of-conference. Here's who they play. UMass, at Cal, Sanford, and New Mexico State. That feels like it should be four wins to me. If it's not, we got some problems. And they get a cross-division game against Vanderbilt. So through the years, Auburn has always had one of the toughest schedules in college football. This year, it might actually be pseudo-manageable. As far as the win-loss total, the over-under is concerned, 6.5. Listen, I lean over, but I'll be blunt. I, I can't sit here and confidently tell you that I am going to pick the over, and it's for the same reason that I just explained. When you look at this Auburn team, when you look at what they're about, They have a lot of new pieces, a lot of new names, very likely a new quarterback behind a mostly new offensive line. And while the schedule is by Auburn standards manageable, um, they do still have Georgia. They do still have Alabama. They do still have at LSU. They do still have at at Texas A&M. Matter of fact, there's a four-game stretch right in the middle of the season at A&M, Georgia, at LSU, Ole Miss, and of course the Iron Bowl late in the season. So I can't confidently pick the over. I think they are right around that six and six, seven and five type team. I think Betfred got this right. Six and a half feels like the number that makes me uncomfortable. If it was five and a half, I'd take the over. If it was seven and a half, I'd probably take the under six and a half is a stay away to me. This feels like a seven and five team would probably bet the over. Let's keep it going with another just fascinating program. And really a program that, that, where they are right now, I'm not sure what to make of them. And that's the Ole Miss Rebels. And I know what everyone's goes, oh, Lane Kiffin's awesome and Lane Kiffin's amazing. And he has been, right? Ten and three his first year. And even eight and five last year is deemed a little bit of a step back. But obviously in Ole Miss, you know, history says eight and five is a good year. I guess the thing that concerns me about Ole Miss, even going back to last year, is this. Yeah, they went eight and five. Does anyone remember how they got to eight and five, though? They started 7-0 and finished 1-5, but even those seven wins, I'm going to read you the seven wins. You tell me how impressive it is. Troy, eh, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, they fired their coach. Tulsa, they fired their coach. Kentucky, they won by three at home. Will Levis fumbled in the red zone, driving to potentially tie the game or win it at Vandy, and then Auburn in a year where Brian Harson was fired. So that was their 7-0 start. Troy, Central, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, Vandy, Auburn. Three of those seven laws, lo- three of those seven wins were to teams that eventually fired their coach last season. The only other win in on the back half of the schedule, they beat AM when A&M was really struggling. So it's hard for me to know exactly what to make of this team, especially because, by the way, a couple things stand out going into this year. Now, now, now I'll tell you what. Instead of talking about the positive, instead of talking about the negatives, let me talk about the positives first. First, the positives are Lane Kiffin is a baller. Lane Kiffin knows how to call offense. And Ole Miss, again, will have elite skill position talent uh, at the the skill positions, obviously, right? Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, it goes without saying, maybe the best back in the SEC, 1,500 yards, six yards per carry, 16 touchdowns. And credit Lane Kiffin, did a great job in the portal adding pieces around whoever ends up starting a quarterback, which we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, Zachary uh, Franklin, unbelievable season last year for North Texas. I believe uh, Texas, uh, UT San Antonio, excuse me, Uh, uh, 93 catches, 1,100 yards. He also added, Kiffin added Trey Harris, a wide receiver from Louisiana Tech, 65 catches, 10 TDs. So just between those two, they got 25 touchdowns. You bring back Michael Trigg at tight end. You had another very good tight end from Memphis. And so that is what the excitement is about when it comes to Ole Miss. A lot of skill position talent and a coach that knows how to draw a place to get the ball in those guys' hands. Here's where my concern comes in with Ole Miss, though. A couple things, really. One, the quarterback position, I'm a little concerned about. I'm going to be honest and let me explain why. Jackson Dart is obviously back from last season. But what does it say about Jackson Dart when he comes back as a returnee and Lane Kiffin adds not one but two high-profile transfers out of the portal quarterback position? Walker Howard, former five-star that played at LSU last year, he, of course, was the famous player that was dancing with Brian Kelly, the original dancing with Brian Kelly meme. But he's a five-star that wasn't going to see the field at LSU this year, decides to transfer. And then I think this is the more interesting one. Spencer Sanders, last year of eligibility, ends up going to Ole Miss out from Oklahoma State, multi-year starter. You know what that says to me? You have a fifth-year guy, last year of eligibility? He's not going to Oxford if he doesn't think he has a chance, a very good chance, to win that job. So the offense concerns me. The defense definitely concerns me. They were middle of the pack last year, 56 nationally, and scoring allowed 74th in total defense. But here's the scary part final half of the season when it started to fall apart this defense fell apart as well final couple games of the regular season I'm just going to read to you the point totals that they gave up okay lost to LSU gave up 45 points okay it happens whatever lost to Alabama 30 okay lost to Arkansas 42 points in that game and then in the bowl game they gave up 42 points as well So you're talking about 40 plus points in three of their final six or seven games of the season last year. Um, And I'll be honest like that, that would concern me if I was an Ole Miss fan. What also would concern me is this. They hire Pete Golding as their defensive coordinator. Ask an Alabama fan. Alabama fans were happy to see him go. So I don't know if that's an upgrade or not. I will say there is talent on that defense. You go back to last year. Uh, Jared Ivey is a guy along the defensive line. Cedric Johnson, two very experienced guys. Uh, they did add a couple nice guys from the portal. Isaac Uku from uh, James Madison, as well as Stefan Wynn from Nebraska. But again, I worry about the defense and I do worry about the schedule, man. The schedule, as easy as it was last year, it is super front loaded this year. How about this? Before the end of September, this is who old missile play. At Tulane. Now that sounds like okay, Tulane, whatever. Tulane won 12 games last year and beat Caleb Williams and USC in the Cotton Bowl. At Alabama and LSU at home. And that's before, that is before October 1st. So if you're going to bet this over at seven and a half, they they have to go eight and four or better. They could be one and three before the end of uh, before the end of September, first game of October. And they oh, by the way, also have Georgia on the schedule this year as a cross division game. And so I bring it up because this is the classic stay away to me. I would lean under. Now I think talent wise, offensively, if they get the quarterback position, right. And I think Lane Kiffin will figure it out. It's not a terrible stretch uh, on the back half because you have Vanderbilt at home, A&M at home, You do have Georgia, but then you have UL Monroe and Mississippi State. So three of the last five were at home at Mississippi State. First-year head coach there. We'll obviously talk about that momentarily. Stay away to me on Ole Miss, but I would lean under because that is a brutal schedule. Three of the first five against teams that won 10-plus games last year plus Georgia. Total stay away to me. Let's keep it going with the final two teams in the SEC West. The first one, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas, another team – just coming off a, a strange, interesting, unique season uh, in Fayetteville. Obviously, two years ago, they win nine games, beat all their rivals. They beat uh and in Dallas. They took care of business against LSU. They beat Missouri this past season in 2022. It kind of flipped the other way. You know, they started off really, really, really hot. Uh, they start 3-0. and Remember, they beat uh, uh, Cincinnati on the opening game of the season. Cincinnati last year was coming off of a college football playoff appearance. Um, they beat South Carolina, start 3-0. and Then, unfortunately, K.J. Jefferson gets banged up. They have a three-game stretch where they lose to AM that fluky, fluky, fluky play, Bama and Mississippi State. Um, and then the back half of the schedule, it was just kind of ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. To their credit, they did beat Ole Miss uh, late in the season. But at the same time, they lost to Missouri. Remember, this was a team that lost at home to Liberty. That was probably the game that convinced Auburn, okay, we got to go get Hugh Freeze uh, if Lane Kiffin falls through. Because Hugh Freeze, again, proving he can win in the SEC. So it was an up-and-down season with Arkansas on a positive. A lot of talent, a lot of interesting pieces returning a quarterback most notably K.J. Jefferson. And I remember this time last year, an Arkansas fan asking me, Torres, why does K.J. Jefferson not get more credit? And I do not have the answer, okay? K.J. Jefferson, how about this for a stat? Joe Test dropped this on the SEC uh, Media Days broadcast. My buddy Jackson Collier, who I think works for Rivals.com covering Arkansas, brought it up. How about this for a stat with Arkansas? Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson is the first SEC quarterback to throw for over 2,500 yards and rush for 500 yards in back-to-back seasons. First SEC quarterback to do that since Tim freaking Tebow, okay? So that tells you how good uh, he has been. You hope he can stay healthy, and the good thing is he's got talent around him. Uh, Rocket Sanders is back after a very, very, very nice season. And then the one thing that stood out to me when I looked at Arkansas – They got a lot of new pieces in the wide receiver room. They're freaking big though. Okay. Um, You lose Jaden Hazelwood probably is the most marquee player that you lost, but how about this for some, some bodies Tyrone Broden from Bowling green is six foot seven, 68 catches last year. Isaac Tisla. uh, I think I'm saying that right. A D2 D2 transfer, 68 catches, 1300 yards. Everybody wanted him coming out of the portal. Also, another big wide receiver, Andrew Armstrong, six four, 62 catches over 1,000 yards at Texas A&M Commerce a year ago as well. So, guys obviously stepping up a level, but they're big bodies that KJ Jefferson will be able to throw to in the red zone. Also, big offensive line as well. Uh, big physical offensive line with Sam Pittman. What needs to improve for Arkansas, it goes without saying. It's the defense. By the way, I don't even think I mentioned Arkansas 6.5 is the over-under win total in the Betfred Sportsbook. If I did not mention that, I apologize. The over-under is 6.5, minus 120 to bet the over, minus 105 to bet the under. Back to Arkansas. What has to improve, it goes without saying. It is not a secret. It is the defense. The defense last year was terrible. Last year, the defense, how about this? As far as in 2022, allowed just under 31 points per game, which was a hundredth nationally and 13th out of 14 teams in the sec, 465 yards per game, 123rd nationally worst in the sec. Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator is now the head coach at UNLV. So he is gone, but a lot of their best players are gone too. drew Sanders drafted by the Denver Broncos in the third round. Uh, bumper pool is gone. Jalen Catalan transferred, although he was banged up. Jordan Dominic transferred to Colorado to play for coach prime. So a lot of new pieces, but I don't know if that's the worst thing, right? You just need to be a little bit better. And I think Arkansas can have some success, but again, you, you got to find the pieces, You got to make it work. Some nice transfers, especially at the linebacker position. Antonio Greer from South Florida was a monster in 2021 at South Florida banged up last year. Jaheem Thomas, part of Cincinnati's playoff teams a few years ago. Um, So I think the defense will be better. I think the offense will be good. The concern, as it always is, with everybody in the West not named Alabama and LSU, it's, again, the schedule. I'm sorry if I'm getting redundant. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But you can't not talk about this when it comes to these middle-of-the-pack SEC West teams. And when it comes to Arkansas, another team like Ole Miss was a super front-loaded schedule. Now, you, you play Western Carolina and Kent State to open the season. But how about this for a five game stretch in the middle of October? After you start, you should start 2 0. Western Carolina is an FCS school. Kent State has a new head coach. You get BYU at home. Remember, BYU is a Big 12 school now. At LSU, AM in Dallas, at Ole Miss, at Alabama. So over a four game stretch, five games, if you include BYU, at LSU, at Alabama, at Ole Miss. What did Sam Pittman do to the SEC schedule makers? That is freaking insane. And so I bring it up. I can't, it's six and a half. I can't bet that. Are you kidding me? You got to be out of your mind. That is just absolutely insane. Total stay away to me. I do believe in this team and I do like the talent, but golly, is that a tough schedule? Finally, let's wrap with the last team. You know who it is. Um, And it's kind of a downer, right? Um, We got to talk Mississippi State. Uh, and I think, first of all, over-under for Mississippi State, six and a half in the Betfred Sportsbook. So that shows you the parity in the middle of the pack here in the – in or excuse me, it's – yeah, six and a half. I apologize. But that shows you the parity in the middle of the pack here in the SEC West. Mississippi State, six and a half wins. Auburn, six and a half wins. Arkansas, six and a half wins. Ole Miss, seven and a half wins. So everybody's in that kind of six and six, seven and five type range. Mississippi State, listen, when it comes to Mississippi State, you know where I'm going to go. You know where I'm going to start. And that's that we lost Mike Leach. And, like, everything else, like, like we talk about football and sports, and I love what I do. But, man, like, that is just so tough to wrap your head around. Mike Leach is no longer with us. Um, it's sad. It's awful. And from a football perspective, I think it raises a lot of questions. Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator, takes over. I think it's very interesting. He's saying publicly that he plans to go away from the, not not even talks about, he is, because they hired a new offensive coordinator. They're going to go away from the air raid offense, which I think is absolutely crazy. You know, listen, this isn't a Mike Leach thing. This is a, they went nine and four and their whole team was recruited to play in this offense thing. And so to me, it sounds crazy to switch up the offense, especially with Will Rogers back off of a season which he threw for almost 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, I don't get it. On a positive, they do return a lot. I'll say that. Will Rogers is back. His best running back, Jaquavius Marks, is back. Over 600 yards rushing, or right around 600 yards rushing, which for an air raid running back is not bad. Best wide receiver, uh, Rufus Harvey, is back. 53 catches. By the way, great name, Rufus Harvey. Great freaking name, Rufus Harvey. He is back, and most of the O-line is back. So in theory... If the the players can adjust to this new offense, and I know it's going to have air raid principles, but at the same time, if they can adjust to this, they should still be very good, but I worry about switching up the offense. Defensively, I'll say this. We all think about under Mike Leach, again, rest in peace. We think about the offense. The defense was awesome last year. 23 points per game allowed. That was a top 40 nationally. 344 yards allowed, top 35 nationally, fifth in the SEC. You want to hear a crazy stat? 27 points. They only gave up 27 points to four opponents, 27 or more. You know who they were? Georgia, who was on the schedule last year, LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. So Auburn's a little bit of a weird outlier. But Georgia, Alabama, and LSU were three of the four teams, and everybody else scored under 27 points against them. Defense should be good once again. Like I said, a lot of returning talent. Nathan Pickering back at nose tackle. Linebackers are monsters. Nathaniel Watson, 114 tackles last year. Jet Johnson, 116 tackles. So we're talking between them 230 tackles. Team has a chance to be really good, and that defense has a chance to be good again. The other thing with Mississippi State, schedule's kind of manageable. By SEC standards, the schedule is manageable. How about this? Eight home games. Four of the first five are at home. Now, admittedly, two of those five are Alabama and LSU. They'll also get an improved Arizona team flying across country. But I bring it up because it is a sort of manageable schedule. They also have three of their last four at home. They get Kentucky at home. Kentucky has struggled in Starkville. That is, at least for now, their annual rival. Kentucky's lost four straight in Starkville. Beyond that, um, you get South Carolina as a cross-division game. So, to me, ultimately, look, this is a stay away. I can't bet it. I worry about the offense. Would probably lean – I'd probably lean over, but I can't bet it. I I can't bet it because – I don't know what the offense is going to look like. And we're talking about losing an icon as a head coach. You know what? I'm going to lean under on that one. I'm going to lean under on the six and a half with that one. Uh, I will lean under for for Mississippi State's over unders. So for those of you scoring at home, by the way, Texas AM, my official best bet over seven and a half. I do like Alabama over ten and a half. LSU, uh, nah, I'll say over ten and a half or over nine and a half, excuse me. I think they hit 10. So Texas A&M over Alabama, over LSU, over uh, Auburn, over six and a half Ole Miss under seven and a half Arkansas over six and a half Arkansas is under seven and six, six and a half. I think they go six and six. I'll go Mississippi state under six and a half. You get all that tripping over my own words here. Listen, I've gone on long enough and it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed to the college football betting show here on apple or spotify please make sure to do so again you can download it anywhere you get podcasts apple spotify etc also find the youtube channel college football betting with aaron torres we are relaunching that started dropping videos on there trying to build up that channel make sure to do so make sure you're following on social media at aaron underscore torres on twitter at aaron torres pod on instagram aaron torres podcast questions if you have any questions for this show I usually open the the, the podcast questions for the Aaron Torres pod, but obviously you can do that as well. But I think that's it. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook, the Betfred Sportsbook app. I will be back next week talking Big Ten East. How about this horrible day James Franklin? Fascinating division. See you guys soon.